I was striving for this image that I thought we all had to be, whether it was being skinny, whether it was being fair skinned as a brown girl, all those things didn't matter. And it took so long for me to accept that I'm actually really okay with this. I'm really, truly okay with this. And once you accept yourself, my goodness, the door is open. Welcome to YWLC Chess, brought to you by the Young Women's Leadership Connection, the leading platform for young women leaders in Singapore. We are your co-hosts, Helen and Nisha, and our show is about female change makers and their personal journeys of challenges, successes, and everything in between. At the end of each episode, get actionable tips to navigate particular aspects of life from these inspiring women. The topic of today's episode is one that will resonate with most, if not all of us. We are living in somewhat uncertain times. We may be emerging from the pandemic, but we continue to see its after effects in one way or another. Globally, it seems that we are bombarded almost on a daily basis with news of conflicts, war, and one form of crises or another. In times like these, it can be hard for us to prioritize our well-being, especially our mental well-being, with so much negativity and uncertainty that pervades our lives. And that is not to mention our own personal challenges, be it in our careers, relationships, physical health, finances, and so on. Happiness becomes an almost elusive concept. But is that truly the case? Well, we cannot think of anyone better than our guest for this episode to share with us her valuable insights and tips on mindfulness, increasing our overall well-being, and creating happiness in our lives. She is a multi-hyphenate in the truest sense of the word, and a global citizen who has lived in Japan, India, Canada, Spain, and now calls Singapore home. Sharina Shroff Mancharam is the creator of Getting to Happy and is dedicated to spreading happy, positive vibes through science-based activities and tips that are proven to increase your overall well-being. She's a trained life coach and certified in positive psychology coaching mentoring, as well as a member of International Coach Federation, Singapore Chapter. She is also a certified image consultant and the founder and principal consultant of Sheen's Image Consulting. Oh, and we should also mention that Sharina is a mother of two kids. Sharina, welcome to YWLC Chats, and it's so great to have you with us today. Thank you, Nisha. Wow, you made me sound like this really <laughs> incredible person. I'm very flattered. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making time with us. Getting to happy, you've created such an inspiring deck of 31 cards. What motivated or inspired you to create Getting to Happy? Sure. People always ask me, well, Sharina, you must be a happy person. You must have always been a happy kid or a teen. And I definitely was not. I was a your classic teen with very little confidence. Even in my early 20s, for me to walk into a room and say my name, it was nerve-wracking. I didn't even have that kind of confidence. So it was a journey for me when I started my own out of after corporate to start my own business in 2008. Mm-hmm. I trained as an image consultant and mm-hmm. as a certified life coach. Mm-hmm. And I thought combining the inner and outer would really help me personally. I wanted to have children. I want to be the best mother I could be, the best daughter I could be, the best wife. And I thought that if I maybe learned all these things, I, I could do that. And then I learned so much along the way. I started my company in Hong Kong <clears throat> in 2008, Sheen's Image Consulting. And 
for over a decade, I worked with banks like Royal Bank of Scotland, BNP Paribas, OCBC Bank. I worked with universities like the Chinese University of Hong Kong, NUS, SP Jane, London Business School. And it was amazing. It was just a great journey over 10 years. And then 2020 hit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we all just experienced this unknown that we'd never yeah. experienced. And my clients used to reach out and say, okay, Sharina, can we go back to corporate training online? And I was like, no, we can't. <laughs> we can't teach them anything right now but to stay afloat and to be happy. So that's where all the things that I was teaching my own children, what I was doing in my own family and telling my clients, and I'm certified in the science of well-being, mm-hmm. I put it down into 31 cards, 31 ways to live a happier life. And the idea is that you take a card every day, you mm-hmm. try to implement it, and it hopefully becomes a habit, mm-hmm. a habitual over time. And you see a change in yourself. I've seen a change in myself mm-hmm. and how I've done this over the years. I've seen it with clients. I've seen it with my own children. Mm-hmm. And it's when people open up the card deck, so the 31 cards, it's not science or ideas that you've never heard. It's not going to rock your socks off. It's yeah. things like <laughs> meditation, exercise, yeah. eating mindfully, mm-hmm. tidying up, saying sorry, saying thank you, giving a compliment. We know these things. They're not mm-hmm. they're not rocket science. We know how to do them. We just forget when we're busy. Mm-hmm. We get consumed and things that bother us, things like the pandemic and coronavirus. We heard those things. They just took up so much of our brain space. Absolutely. So the cards are designed to be put on a stand, put on your bedside table, put on your desk and help you stay afloat. That was really the idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the idea of really distilling it down into bite-sized action steps that you can take. Like you mentioned, it's not rocket science. It's things that you can do on a daily basis. And yet, people always have this misconception that to achieve that state of happiness, you need to kind of give away all your possessions, go to a mountaintop and meditate. Exactly. You know, why do you think that there's a lot of misperceptions about what happiness entails? Yeah, I love that question. And you're right. People think that we're talking about well-being. We want to make it really complicated. Yeah. We want to give a lot of science behind it, which is important to understand why we're doing certain things. But if we make it so overly complicated, mm-hmm. we don't want to do it. And a great example of that is something like meditation. Mm-hmm. The true science behind doing it is incredible. We should be learning it as children. We can mm-hmm. change the shape of our brain structure with mm-hmm. two weeks of meditation. The part of our brain associated with problem solving can increase. I mean, why wouldn't we do that? We would think better. We would speak better. We would be living to much higher potential, right? Yeah. So if we don't learn the science, we're not going to do it. But we feel like meditation, unless you're wearing some really cute Lululemon (laughs) outfit and you also do yoga and you also stand on your head, that you can meditate. But that simply isn't the case. Yeah. And the same goes for happiness. People believe that you already have to have everything Mm -hmm. or it's a privilege to be able to talk about happiness and well-being. It's not. It's really as simple as being mindful about what you're eating, showing gratitude to the things that you have instead of worrying about the things that you don't have. So it's really us uh, up to us to break down the stereotypes that are associated with well-being and happiness and Mm -hmm. the stigma and even things like meditation and 
just look at it as simply as you can. And that's kind of where with getting to happy, I want it to be, like you said, bite-sized, simple, accessible to all. Mm -hmm. What you've mentioned or highlighted here about the accessibility to mindfulness and well-being, I think it's so important, especially nowadays. Mental health is at the forefront. We're seeing quite a pervasive mental health crisis taking place across the globe, especially teenagers, younger people increasingly affected by even adults as well. But there's always this thing that we don't talk about it has openly we keep it hush hush you know yeah. no one should actually know that we're struggling or dealing with, this, with yeah. these issues how do you practice getting to happy you talk about these bite-sized cards that you can just pull out how do you actually integrate it as part of a, a daily practice that you do sure and I think it's important also to when we talk about mental health to know that And to remember that everyone has a different kind of battle that they're facing. And some people need a psychologist. Mm -hmm. Some need a therapist. Some need a psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. And whatever help you need, please, to anyone who's listening, go and get that help. Yes. And I'm a life coach and Mm -hmm. and a happiness enthusiast. (laughs) And for what I practice and what I preach are things to keep us above water. But of course, deeper issues do need to be dealt with in a different way. Absolutely. So going back to your question, what do I do on a daily basis? My goodness, Nisha, I could talk for hours. (laughs) I think if we think about ourselves in the community, we think about the relationship we have with ourselves, Mm -hmm. the the relationship we have with our family and the relationship we have with friends and colleagues and things Mm -hmm. like that. So I think it starts with yourself. And there's lots. I am looking at all my 31 cards and I'm going to pick up one that I do every morning. Okay. So that's setting an intention. Mm. So... Again, we make it really complicated when we get into workshops about intention setting. What's your one-year intention, five-year intention? We don't need to talk about that. Let's talk about a daily intention. So when you wake up in the morning, stretch, take a few deep breaths before you touch your phone and get consumed with emails and appointments, etc. Just have a few minutes to think about what is the most important part of your day. Mm-hmm. It could be professional, it could be personal, mm-hmm. and give an intention to that activity. So this morning I woke up and this was the most important thing to me today, this podcast with you, Nisha. And I Thank said, you. <laughs> <laughs> my intention was to give the best advice I could possibly give and enjoy this podcast with you. It's very exciting to be speaking to all of you. So that was my intention. Sometimes my intention is to finish my meeting on time so that I can be present for my children. It could be that I want to let go of my phone today and Mm -hmm. really concentrate on a yoga class. So whatever my intention is, I set it in the morning and it kind of breaks up the monotony of our everyday lives now that we're returning back to the office and people are frustrated about that. So I encourage my clients. So what are the good things about going back to work? Maybe your intention is to grab your favorite colleague and Mm -hmm. go for that sushi lunch that you used to do for years and years and go together and enjoy lunch it could be that that's the intention for the day and it kind of breaks up your day so yeah i love that one that's really powerful you talk about setting an intention a lot of times i wonder whether people kind of confuse it with setting goals for the day because the idea of setting goals or achievements kind of like a a list that you take down like okay this morning i'm gonna get these things done and you just take mark against it but 
the idea of an intention is something that could be intangible. Things yeah. like you just say, being present for this exactly. lunch appointment, for example, just yeah. listening, lending a listening ear to whoever I'm having lunch with. That's what I really like about the 31 cards is how simple it is, but yes. yet it, it's so simple to the point that it, it almost becomes like, okay, why is it hard for us to then yes. find that happiness? Exactly. <laughs> and it's up to us. And I think yeah. happiness, we have to remember, is within our control. Absolutely. It is not dependent on you getting that promotion and making all that money and then buying that expensive handbag that you've been wanting for years. It's not external validation. It is from within. Mm -hmm. So yes, you're right. Intention setting may be an intangible thing, but it could be as wonderful as I don't want to be short with my child today and I want mm -hmm. to be patient and I want to appreciate my child for who they are. Mm -hmm. It's an intention. We don't have to make things overly complicated. Absolutely. If that's one key takeaway, don't yeah. overcomplicate finding happiness or choosing to be happy. It's just done in simple things. In terms of your own personal journey, uh, some of the changes that you've seen when the pandemic happened, it was yeah. just something really literally life-changing for so many of us all across the world. So how have you actually seen these changes in your family, in your personal life coming about through these practices? Sure. So the biggest one is gratitude. It's something that I've been doing since my child was born. My elder daughter, Lara, is 12 and a half. So when she was a newborn. And it's I talk about gratitude all the time. It's just the most beautiful concept. <laughs> I really do feel so passionately about it. And I've seen how even in the worst of times, my children and myself, we can see the silver lining. And that to me is such an incredible skill. There'll always be hard days. Yeah. And people ask me like, Shrina, what's happiness to you? Like no bad days. I said, no way. We're going to have bad days. <laughs> We're going to have wars that are going to continue. Variants of coronavirus might continue. It might, things are going to be like that, but I expect it. I accept it. And I know that I have the tools to stand back up. So no matter how terrible a day is, and I can see it with my children and they practice gratitude daily, where they tell me three things every night that they're grateful for. Even with the worst day, they can see beauty. And that means that you're climbing back from the hole every day. We're going to fall. We're going to feel bad. We're going to feel angry and jealous and sad. And all those feelings are completely valid. But can you stand back up? That's happiness. Mm-hmm. No, and I think it's really beautiful and inspiring what you shared about gratitude. For those of us who also have a religion or who are spiritual, there's always this talk about whatever religion you profess or practice, having an attitude of gratitude. Mm -hmm. And that makes all the difference, like you said. And yeah. I think it's so easy for us in the worst of the days when everything that could go wrong just goes wrong from the moment you wake up to the moment you get to yeah. bed. And it's so hard to even think about just one thing to be thankful for. I recall that you actually did this at um, the session that you had, uh, which I attended and you talked about. Just think about three things. And then the moment you actually start, you realize the list just continues. Exactly. The thing like just seeing this cute dog while you were walking to the bus stop, for example. Exactly. It doesn't strike you at that moment until you actually realize like, wow, this and actually... And notice it and say and notice it. it. And saying it actually, yeah. I think vocalizing it verbalizing it yes. is so powerful in itself yes and it has this ripple beautiful effect if you do it like and the parents will tell me I work very hard and my kid is just not grateful I need them to be <laughs> grateful and I said but B 
being a grateful human and practicing gratitude are different. How are you practicing gratitude? And that's like you just said, saying it, noticing it. We're grateful people. Of course we are. If I ask, if you think about it right now, all you listeners out there, I'm sure you're grateful as a person, but how do you practice gratitude? That is exactly it. Noticing it, pointing it out, sharing it with a friend, sharing it with a partner, asking your kids to share something at the dining table at dinner time. Mm -hmm. Or in the morning before going to school from the day before. The best thing is before sleep because it can make your sleep, improved quality of sleep. So it's beautiful to end your day like that. If if you live alone, write it down in a little notebook by your bedside table. Write it in notes on your phone. I I just say it to myself before Mm -hmm. I go to bed every night. And like you said, it's it's a never-ending beautiful list, no matter how terrible your day is. I hope this is... A practice that our listeners can also start thinking about your life. I, I know I'm going to try doing it a lot more. It's a commitment to doing it, right? Like when yes. we know all these yeah. things and the reason again why getting to happy is in a card and on a stand is that we know these things. I'm sure all of you are going, oh, this is not rocket science, Sharina. We know we should be you know, practice gratitude. Yes, I know. But it's on a card in beautiful colors because we forget to do it. If we practice gratitude once a month, you might not see a huge change in your life. Mm-hmm. If you practice it more frequently because several times a week, yes, you will see your, the way in which you look at things change. But it is a commitment. And that's the, what is happiness? It's a commitment to taking the time to, whether it's exercise and it feels good, whether it's practicing gratitude, whether it's making time for a few minutes of meditation because it makes you feel good. That's exactly it. It's the commitment to doing these things that stops us or we find it's mm-hmm. too hard. We don't have the time or we make excuses. Yeah. So it's up to you to make those changes. These are things that are not going to really impose on our time. It's things that are quite seamless. We can just bring it into our lifestyle. Hopefully our listeners too will start seeing that changes when they start putting it into practice. And like you pointed out rightly, that it's a commitment, you know. Yes. Getting to happy is a commitment in itself. It is. And people always ask like, are happy people just lucky and they're born happy? No. Can you wish for a happy day tomorrow? No. It doesn't come by wishing and praying. It comes with effort and it takes time effort acceptance that days are bad but it's a commitment that you have to make yes absolutely very wise words (laughs) so i guess kind of going a bit deeper into your thoughts and insights on mental health and well-being so you have these different practices that you can do on a daily basis and i guess relating to that is also this idea of self-care taking care of the self prioritizing your well-being which is also part of these practices that you have set out in the cards so For yourself, personally, Sharina, you straddle so many different roles, juggling so many different commitments, an entrepreneur, a consultant, a coach, and a mom. Mm -hmm. So how do you find time to prioritize self-care? I'm a crazy super organizer, so I feel like that's the only way. When you ask, can we do it all? Yeah, I can do it all. Maybe I don't do it all super fantastically, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with giving a little bit to something else and maybe being a better mom than I was a better coach today or I or a better cook and you know, didn't make the best muffins, but that's okay. I still tried. I make time for everything. Uh, and the thing that I'm most strict about in my daily routine is making sure that I exercise every morning. I can't function without exercise. Mm-hmm. It's, so the minimum is like 30 minutes. And it's usually a class type mm-hmm. of personal trainer or something that I can't mm-hmm. just 
wiggle out of. Uh, so it's there, tennis class. And in the evening. So the evening routine for me is extremely important. So that's after my kids go to bed, I go to my room, I stop using technology. I'm very anti-tech. I'm a bit of a dinosaur. <laughs> I barely know how to put on Netflix in my <laughs> in my home. I disengage from all that. And the reason is I find I'm very stimulated. If I'm watching Netflix or TV or hearing pumping music, I don't want to do that. It, stops me from sleeping. I really believe in quality sleep for me to function to my optimal the next day. Mm-hmm. I go into my room, I diffuse essential oil. I'm like a little robot in my room. <laughs> I start with the essential oils, I take a shower, and then I appreciate my shower. I talked about this yesterday in, in a workshop that I did, that every night, a wonderful hot water that's unlimited is a gift. You know, I lived in India where it's, you can have cold showers after a while and the hot water runs out and it's not so fun. It is really a gift to have hot water, but we just don't say it. We just don't notice it. We take it for granted. So, so with Getting to Happy, we have a kid's deck of cards Mm -hmm. as well. And one of the cards is have the best shower of your life. Tell your kids, have the best shower because you can, you have soap and it's soft towel and not everybody has that actually. Yeah. So I take a wonderful shower. I do something for myself, my soul, whether it's a face mask or something for my nails or a hair mask. Mm -hmm. And it's just peaceful me alone time. I don't answer the phone. I don't reply to messages normally. And and then I read. I love to read. I'm a bit of a bookworm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have five books at one time (laughs) on my bedside table. And I enjoy that. I practice a bit of gratitude. I have sleep music playing. So there is music, but it's sleep music. Again, conducive to getting my body and my mind relaxed and in a state to sleep. So people always tell me like, I don't get good sleep. I'm watching Netflix till two in the morning. I'm like, well, that's kind of your... <laughs> when we know we got to bring that back a little bit. Yeah. Maybe try to read a little bit. Again, they say, if I don't like to read books, I read on my Kindle or on the iPad. Mm-hmm. And again, the iPad has stimulating colors, notifications. Mm-hmm. You're going to get distracted. Yeah. Try to pick up an old, cool, uh, old school, simple book. So it's, again, all these things are really simple. My me time at night is very important. And otherwise juggling everything else is because I am really quite organized. I write everything down mm-hmm. in a physical diary. Yes. It's very rare these days. <laughs> very rare. Again, very old school. But again, if I see everything that I'm not going to miss tomorrow and the next day. Yeah. So yes, writing everything down is very important. It's on my phone as well. And yeah, those are some of my tips. Yeah. When you're talking about your your routine before going to bed, how you you make it intentionally such that you're yeah. in that state of calmness. Yeah. Like I felt relaxed as well. Yeah. <laughs> Hearing your routine, you know, it it's just lovely. so calming. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna start incorporating yeah. um, some aspects of it. And I think when you just going back to when you talked about planning your day and making sure you set time for this, it it just brought up this idea of intentionality as well and you like you said the commitment to happiness to getting to happy and also being intentional in how you set your day you know yes how do you think that actually should come in when we talk about from the moment we wake up and just going about our day the things that we do how much time we choose to invest in a certain thing how how does that intentionality feature yeah that's a great question and uh, so many of us some of you are moms some of you might be grandmas some of you might have little commitments and of course your day is full and that's wonderful to be busy and full it's lovely i think the only time that we feel the burnout the stress is when we haven't managed that time so in my own diary so in my work 
So in my diary that's written down, I have all my appointments, etc. But on my phone, I also have the same thing written down on notes, so hour by the hour. But I do plan in plan that time where I'm writing. I'm going to do my exercise at this time. Mm-hmm. I am going to be at the bus stop to pick up my children at this time. Those are important to me. So I am prioritizing everything. So like mm-hmm. I said, I might not be doing everything to this wonderful, sparkly, fantastic, perfect level, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because I'm still doing everything that I want to do, which is my work, my personal, my children, my friends. Can I have lunch with my friend one day? Yes, sure I can. I have my own timetable. I can make it mm-hmm. happen. When you think about going back to the office now, what can you do? How can you make it fun? Can you set an intention or put plan it in your day so that you can go and do this workout that you couldn't do before when you're working at home because this yoga studio is in your office building? Yeah. Go make the time if you can. Of course, some things and some jobs are not going to give you so much flexibility. I understand that. I'm not going to say run out of the meeting because you got to go for <laughs> yoga. <laughs> but put the things down that are important. Put down five minutes of meditation before you get out of your car and get back into your home in the evening so you can transition and let your mind relax from all the work and all the meetings and all the stress and be the best parent or be the best partner you can be back in your home. Put it down in your notes that at at 7.05, I will sit in my car for five minutes, take a few deep breaths and meditate. You can make that time, but it's putting it down. It's identifying where you have those few minutes. Yeah, It's organization too. Absolutely. And I think something that you mentioned, the idea that you can actually do all these things, it doesn't have to be 100% or perfect. And I would say in our culture today, there's this cult of perfectionism almost. And of course, when you look at your Instagram feed and you see all these influencers like having the perfect kind of a self-care routine, a perfect day that is set up for themselves. How do we not fall victim into this idea when we are making that commitment to happiness that it doesn't have to be picture perfect all the time? How do we overcome that and realize that it's just about being the best that we can be for our family, for our friends? Mm. Sometimes they don't demand that perfectionism from us, but we demand it from ourselves how do we reconcile this i i find it very heartbreaking when i talk to young people nowadays that just that they're striving for this perfection mm-hmm. i don't want to also advocate doing things at a half level either of course right yeah. my husband for example is a complete perfectionist <laughs> and i get really stressed out because that's really hard <laughs> to handle but i think he maintains that level and it's effortless for him mm-hmm. so You have to ask yourself too, when you are living your daily life, if you're able to just get things done, have take beautiful photos on Instagram or just make the perfect cup of coffee and it comes naturally, great, wonderful, lucky you. But if really it causes you stress and anxiety, then you know that it's already putting you in a position that you don't need to be in. Yeah. Now, of course, this is not for students and not for grades. We have to push ourselves to do our best, of course, in in those aspects. But I think when it comes down to things that are not so important, and I'll give you an example. With my own child, this scene just a few days ago, I said to my daughter, Lara, I said, could you please brush your hair (laughs) and make sure it looks neat and maybe change that T-shirt because you're going out and you have some other nicer T-shirts. And she looked at me and she goes, but I'm okay with this. And I'm happy with this. And I thought, okay, you know what? You do you. And I should be happy. If you accept you, I accept you. Mm. So look inside yourself and say, am I good enough? I'm good enough the way I am. I think it takes a long journey to get there. I never had that, Nisha. I was striving for this 
image that I thought we all had to be, whether it was being skinny, whether it was being fair skinned as a brown girl, all those things didn't matter. And it took so long for me to accept that I'm actually really okay with this. I'm really, truly okay with this. And once you accept yourself, my goodness, the door is open. Yeah. So it really is understanding that maybe you can't do everything perfectly. And I'm wonderful at failing and I'm wonderful (laughs) at, (laughs) I wasn't that perfect child. And making mistakes is wonderful. So I accept myself for making mistakes. I apologize when I make mistakes and it, it propels me forward versus people that are, they put all the eggs in the basket and when they break, they cannot get back up again. Yeah. So let it go. What you know, what you can't control, let it go. Mm-hmm. Do the best to your ability. Be the kindest you can, mm-hmm. the most loving you can. Give the best effort you can. I tell my kids too. I said with schoolwork, if I really believe you have given your, you, and you believe you have given your hundred percent effort, that's okay for me too. So much of what you shared also personally resonated with me. I think especially after like finishing university and okay, this this kind of career path is set up for you and you just want to hit all those boxes. As women, we continue to face pressures on certain milestones that we need to reach by a certain age and all these pressures are coming in like, okay, I need to look this way. I need to yeah. be this certain way. I need to have this amount of savings or something. It's all yeah. these little things that comes in and you start cracking and you realize like, okay, wait a minute, am I doing it for me or is it really for others? And I think so many of us inadvertently fall into that trap like it's like you said just sometimes just telling yourself I'm happy the way I am with what I have with who I am and the people that actually matter in your lives will love you and accept you and see that value in you for who you are it's so powerful that your daughter 12 years old she's confidently <laughs> asserting that yes yes absolutely yeah. and she she knows she has confidence yeah. in herself and I look at it sometimes and I say but Lara could you do this or could you try this and she looks back and she says no I know me and we all know ourselves the best, right? We have yeah. to have faith that we can do things and faith that we can make a mistake and get back up and learn from it. Absolutely. I think, so yeah, okay. I think it's also relating to that, not being afraid to fail or yeah. to fall even. Oh, yes, I would say that also starts with yes. parents, with kids, not always having this thing that, okay, they have to be like, just perfect they can't feel you don't have permission to feel even right and that's really dangerous very dangerous and also like if you get if you reach those milestones those perfect grades that perfect job that perfect home Mm -hmm. getting married having the kids that you think and society makes you believe that that is truly what will bring happiness Mm -hmm. studies show not my studies it's all there on the internet please have a look (laughs) studies show that it does not derive it does not create happiness you're not happy because you have that job you're not happier because you have that home it's it's as simple as if you don't mind me sharing this analogy i'll let you all think about it wherever you're listening to this podcast to remember that first paycheck you got first paycheck in hand and that first handbag you ever bought your first designer handbag or first expensive handbag and how much you wanted it and how much society makes you believe that that is your symbol that you've achieved something and I want you to think back now to that handbag and if you wore it today does it bring you that much happiness and it just doesn't it's not the same those things that we want so badly that we think are going to make us so happy just don't 
Humans get used to things. It's called hedonic adaptation. We get used to the good things in life. Mm. We all watch Netflix now, no commercial breaks. <laughs> and does anyone ever think and say, well, thank you, Netflix. This is wonderful. Or I'm so <laughs> grateful that there's no commercial break and I'm hearing about toothpaste or something irrelevant. And we don't, we get used to it. And we get frustrated when we're watching TV again. What's real happiness? It's thanking people. It's loving people. It's um, being mindful about it. The, the drink you're having right now in front of you. It's setting goals. It's thanking others. It's creating me time. It's exercising. It's fresh air. Those things really cause create happiness. It's really the simple things. It's not what society tells us, but what we Absolutely. ourselves know and find happiness in. And I think that relates to... The question about misconceptions about mental health and wellness, what is a misconception that you personally get frustrated with when people talk about mental health, wellness, happiness? Something that you, you keep hearing people advocating for, but actually it's something that mm -hmm. doesn't really hold water. Yeah. So I think that something that I wish I had learned earlier is that happiness lies within my own control. Mm -hmm. So I think the the misconception, the what I hear people think and believe is that happiness is derived from something external, mm -hmm. whether it was that handbag, like I just mentioned, yeah. or if I take a trip this year, then I'll be really happy. Or if coronavirus does not exist next year, then I'll be super happy. Those mm -hmm. are outside of our control. They have nothing. You cannot control any of that. A client of mine was saying, well, if I have to go back to the office, I'm going to be so unhappy. But you have no control over the policy of your company and whether they're going to make you come back or not. It's yeah. up to you if you want to quit. And if you have the ability and find another job, go for it. But if you don't, it's out of your control. So how do we make the best of the situation? Mm. So I wish I had learned earlier for myself. And I hope that those of you listening, happiness lies within your control. That is the biggest thing I want you to take away. And it is up to you to make the effortful changes in your life to get there. Yeah, I think that's something that a lot of us tend to forget and I think even for myself personally it's always like okay if I've achieved this or yeah. achieved this particular job title or this yeah. career goal I'll be happy but it feels good in the moment right? in the moment yeah it's it's really short-lived and then after you achieve it like, okay what's now what? next yes now what? what's the next thing I'll achieve and it's never ending no. this pursuit of empty happiness because yeah. it's not really grounded in things that deep down you truly value but it's yes. premise on societal expectations maybe familial pressures so many other considerations yeah. out there and it doesn't fill your cup no you know it's just to make it look on the surface that okay i have all these things like yeah. okay now i should be happy but it's not so much a should right yeah you can't just like snap your fingers and it's happiness isn't like an on-demand netflix program if it is affecting your health mm. if it's taking away time from your family and you live in a different country and you don't have a choice i understand you got to yeah. do what you got to do but I think what the pandemic has also taught us too is what's important? What do we value at the end of our lives? Are we going to remember the four promotions that we had? What are you going to remember? Of course, I'm not sitting here in a, in a position and, and you're saying all you should do is run around in fresh air and <laughs> exercise and don't get stressed. No, absolutely not. We have to continue living our lives, achieving the things we want to achieve and prioritizing happiness and well-being making the time for the exercise, making the time to be kind to others and thank and compliment and say sorry and write letters. And yes, make the time for those things because they're filling your cup while other things maybe are draining you. 
Yeah. Right. When we go to work, we have meetings, we're tired, we're burnt out. Of course, that's life. That's your job. Not everyone has can dictate exactly how they want to have their roles at work. Of course not. But then fill the cup at the same time. Do the things that feel good. Hang out with friends. Connect with people. You're doing two things. One. Mm. Does that make sense? Did I explain that yeah. well enough? So keep adding to your cup. Keep filling and keep living the life that you have to keep living and do the things that you have to do that maybe you don't have a choice. Yeah. And I guess that's words of wisdom and my related question to that was the best mental health or well-being advice that you have received. If you could think back, what was the best advice that you received and something that you continue to put into practice today? If I think back to my younger self, <laughs> I think it's really about acceptance too. So mm. I think we're so often in a battle with ourselves to be someone that maybe we're not yes um, <laughs> yeah so I think that's probably something that I would have told my younger self or tell people out there that you're probably as good as you are and that's great and that's enough mm-hmm. so when we embrace our authentic selves no matter how imperfect or perfect it may be yeah. I think then the doors really open I think then the friendships come in, the relationships, your ability to be the best at work, even communication skills. That's to the best of your ability when we accept ourselves or we don't have this internal battle with wanting things or trying to be things that we're not. Yeah, I think that's also another awful advice, actually, this idea of acceptance. And Mm. especially if you're younger and you hear it, I think especially when you're you're much younger and there's always this pressure to conform to yeah. what's cool or what's popular and yes. that journey of acceptance or self-acceptance, sometimes it just takes a really long while and yeah. many when you, you read articles and many people always say like, oh, I finally came into my own in my, my 30s, my Correct. 40s. Yeah. But I guess why wait till that stage of adulthood? Why don't we start that, that journey of acceptance from a much younger age? It would but, be great if little kids were yeah. this earlier. Yes. I think, but we also need a journey. We need a journey of failing and falling and not and uncertainty to then maybe know what we want to be. I feel sad about is when I see women who are maybe in their late 30s and 40s who are still struggling with that mm. and time taking away from things that are more important that they can do, whether it's being yeah. with their family or being charitable, etc., where they're striving for having the cool clothes or <laughs> buying that new phone where it's just not important. It doesn't bring anything to you. Yeah, absolutely. I think, like you said, that that journey of acceptance and even for me personally, I found that I only came to realize what I actually liked or enjoyed by knowing what I did not want to do. Exactly. It was through this trial and error, even when it came to like discovering like my career path, things that I actually wanted to do or pursue professionally, it was all because of being in jobs that I didn't like. Of course, we've all had those experiences and things like that and realizing that, okay, yeah, I was told that this would be something that I should be striving for. But when I actually was in this job, I realized like, wait a minute, Mm. I'm actually not happy and I don't find it fulfilling. So I guess that journey is also a process of elimination, so to speak. Like you're just kind of filtering out what isn't really serving you, what isn't filling your cup, to use that analogy. And you start discovering that, okay, you know what? I'm going to start curating what actually works for me, what serves me, serves my well-being. And maybe, yeah, that's probably how it goes about. But I guess for some of us, the journey takes a longer time. (laughs) And that's okay. As long as you're on the journey of trying, right? Yeah. Trying and not not really giving up. We talked about women like late 30s and 40s. And this just brings me to this question about 
women facing this pressure to do it all or to have it all, whether it's career, family, mm-hmm. and straddling all these different commitments and pressures. Mm-hmm. What would be your advice for women who are juggling different roles and responsibilities? But I think do it all. <laughs> do everything. Do every single thing you can. From the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, do the things that you firstly have to do. So whether it's going to work and having difficult conversations and meetings and back to back, do what you have to do. (laughs) Do the things that fill your cup, whether it's charitable things, whether it's spending time with family, friends, put it in the diary, prioritize it, organize your schedule that you, so that you can, you know what? I, someone recently asked me, I have no time to talk to my parents and I'm very sad and it makes me happy to talk to them, but I can't, I don't make time. I don't have time to talk to them because at night they're already sleeping. They're in a different country. And I said, what do you do from your commute back every day from work to the home? Yeah. Oh, I listen to music. So I said, prioritize it and talk to them on your commute mm-hmm. home. Make the time. You can make time. There's 24 hours in a day. Yeah. So I think, do it all. Can you do it all? Yes. Will you do it all so perfectly? Probably not. Will you fall? Will you fail? Will you just not get things right? Absolutely. But do it all. And by the end of the day, when you're tired, exhausted, and you're lying in bed, at least you're grateful for a a fulfilled day of things that you had to do. Moments that were challenging. How great is that? Because then what is not a challenging moment? (laughs) Everything, happiness and this whole journey is a fulfillment, a contentment, knowing that you can do everything and not give up. Like you, yeah. like you just said, don't give up. Believe in yourself and have the have faith that, yes, you will fall and get bruised, but you can get back up, that you have the toolbox. And it's not a toolbox of things that you need to buy mm. or you need to, people that say, oh, if I meditate, I have to buy this super expensive app that I have to have a guided meditation and it's two hours long. I don't have the time. You don't need that. It's a free song for two, a couple of minutes that you can breathe through and play on your headset. That That's enough. Mm-hmm. So make some small changes and, and yeah, try to fill it all in and have this beautiful, busy, wonderful life. Yeah. I think it's, it's really important. I think that message that you're drawing across here and like you said, it's not, as elusive as you think it is. You don't have to like just spend like amounts of money just to buy this app or this tool or or whatever gadget just to help you. But it's really the simple things. And I think even for me personally, I made a mistake like when I was telling myself, okay, self-care and then like, okay, maybe I should go for like this wellness retreat, this thing, that thing. And it's like, (laughs) it's not too good for the wallet. (laughs) I guess this brings me back to that question about misconception as well, that this idea of investing in self-care and well-being, we always feel that it's a monetary investment. Yes, absolutely. And I think the industry wants you to believe that. They want you to buy books, buy apps, and obviously become dependent on something else that's going to make you apparently feel better. Yeah. It's just not the case. And of course, like I said before in our conversation, there are certain kinds of challenges that some of you might be facing that does require a larger investment and intervention. And of course, you must get that help when it's needed. But for the majority of us who just need to stay above water every day, <laughs> those small changes in your life, yeah. they're free, they're easy, they're bite-sized, and them is just making the time for them. Yeah, and that's I think that's the thing that a lot of us who are time-starved struggle with, yeah. just finding that time. But like you said, it, it really doesn't take a lot. It Even doesn't. on the bus ride home, yes. the train ride home, I can just think like, okay, what can I be grateful for today? Absolutely. And you reach home, you just put aside all the stresses or how the, the work day went and you can 
tell yourself, okay, I'm going to be present for my family mm-hmm. at dinner. I'm going yes. to make that time to enjoy that nice warm shower before bed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and there are beautiful moments in the day. Yeah, actually. And it's things that, like you said, we just take for granted. Yeah. Even the luxury of just a nice warm shower, warm bath, just to wash all the worries away. You can take that shower and say, what's done is done. What happened today, I cannot change. What's going to happen tomorrow, I just do not know. I can only be right here in this moment. If my brain is taking up space thinking about yesterday and tomorrow, well, that I'm not living right now. I don't think about my shower and how wonderful it is and how the soap smells. And that's mindfulness too. Even yeah. the concept of mindfulness is again, elusive, kind of vague. We're not really sure how to do it. We all want to be mindful, but we don't know what that really means. Does it mean you have to go for a yoga retreat? No, it doesn't. So one of the cards actually in the set is called Cup of Joy. Mm. And it's just taking a few minutes for your morning drink. So Mm -hmm. I wake up in the morning, I have a cup of coffee and then I have another cup of coffee and I don't even think about it. So I intentionally, you know, make my cup of coffee now. I hear the beans being ground. I hear the aroma and I cannot tell you how excited I am. (laughs) I am so excited by my cup of coffee that I make at home. I don't have to go to Starbucks. I have to spend the money. It's my own coffee from my own home. And I am truly very grateful for it. And that one cup of coffee now lasts me the whole morning. Yeah. Because I smell it. I appreciate it. And it takes maybe 30 seconds. So it's called cup of joy. Just being mindful for that one drink every day. Maybe you do it with your afternoon snack with your kids. Maybe you do it with your peppermint tea at night before you go to bed. It's not, you don't have to do it for 30 minutes. You don't have to do it for so long. It's a few minutes of gratitude, appreciation, mindfulness, Mm. calm moments. So I don't read the paper and look at my phone while the coffee is being made. I just hear, I listen, I smell. That's mindfulness. So we can implement that mindful moment to different activities that we do every day, Mm. we are incorporating mindfulness. That's the practical way and a simple way of implementing it versus thinking, (laughs) what is mindfulness and am I mindful and how do I buy it? Well, you can't. It's just take small little steps. And I think this idea of being mindful, being present, and it also kind of leads into this point about intentionality. Do you also think that it kind of boils down to this idea of just slowing down our lives a little bit because our morning routine, I mean, even speaking for myself, it's like, okay, I make my tea, my breakfast. The idea of just slowing down, how do you see it has relating Mm. to mindfulness as well? So I'm a headless chicken all day. (laughs) I'm I'm running. I'm like one thing to the next mental checklist. What am I doing next? Absolutely. And we can't be, I don't know if all of us are privileged enough or we are lucky enough to be able to be really slow and really mindful. I don't think so. We're busy. We have things. Someone will call us into a meeting, hurry up, do this, send this report out. It's not maybe so realistic to be mindful all the time. And that's why I feel mindful moments Mm. eventually slow you down. So the cup of coffee or your tea or your lemon water in the morning, it's just a few minutes of being mindful. Right. So over time, that practice of ha- enjoying that drink translates to different things. So, for example, the shower is also mm-hmm. my mindful moment of appreciating the water, hearing the water fall, the way the soap feels on my body, and then the towel. Now, I don't do that for the entire duration of the shower, but I, that's my other mindful moment. 
Sometimes when I used to drive, I would be on the phone and eating lunch and thinking about the next meeting and probably was doing everything not at a good enough standard, probably driving not well and eating too fast and etc. So I also drive more mindfully, just doing it mindfully. So I incorporate mindful moments throughout the day. Maybe you're playing a board game with your child. Move the phone away, turn it upside down on silent. And that's a mindful moment playing a game. Instead of looking at your phone, also waiting for a call and playing music and trying to listen to your child and have a conversation. Maybe it's just a few minutes of precious time. So we don't have to be mindful 24-7. I don't think we're all in the luxury of being able to do that or with busy lives in a city like this. But incorporate small moments. Yeah, I think that's... That's like I said, this whole conversation, you had so much powerful advice and, you know, words of wisdom. And I just like how you've distilled it into really simple things that we can do. Like you said, it's not about this long, like a 24-hour endeavor to achieve mindfulness. It's really no. in the moments, finding that moments of just being at peace, being finding that stillness in yourself. Yeah. Yeah, to just be really present. So throughout this conversation, I mean, there's so much that I've learned personally that I'm going to try my best to incorporate in this commitment Great. to getting to happy. So maybe for our listeners who might just be getting started on their journeys towards mindfulness and well-being, what would be your top three cards from your getting to happy deck that you would recommend for them to kind of get started with? Okay, so I think that I've already spoken a lot about gratitude and you guys know that's my favorite. <laughs> so I definitely think Practicing gratitude on a daily basis. So again, if you live alone, that's wonderful. And maybe you can write it down on a little notebook on your bedside table. I recommend doing it at nighttime. Otherwise, just saying it to yourself before you fall asleep. So I'm grateful for that delicious sandwich. I'm grateful for blue skies. I'm grateful for the swim I took in the evening. Great. You say it to yourself, but again, acknowledging it, saying it, and then going to bed. That's great. If you have a partner, share it with that person before going to bed. Mm -hmm. If you have children, encourage them to pick three things from the day, specific to the day that they're grateful for before you put them to bed. So gratitude is life-changing, I promise. So please try that one. The other one that I think is important is letting things go. And, And that really relates to the fact that we live in such an uncertain time and so much, so many things around us make us frustrated. Yeah. Just thinking now I'm hearing my clients, they were frustrated about working from home in Mm -hmm. 2020. That was a challenge. That was a change. Working from home, my kids are interrupting me. I have no dedicated space. Okay, we worked around that and now they all love working from home and now they miss their pajamas and their couch and being in the office is terrible. I get it. But you're not probably not the person in charge of the policies. You're probably not in charge of whether they're going to change these rules and that you have flexibility. So until they do, let it go. So letting go is a wonderful practice of committing to letting things go that are out of your control and writing them down, committing to it, committing to the universe that once you write it down, you will let it go. Maybe someone has hurt you. Maybe they've said something not nasty to you. Well, we can't change how someone else is going to speak to us. We can only change how we react to other people. So maybe you want to let go of what, how your colleague spoke to you. You write it down. You rip up that piece of paper and you commit to moving on from it and letting your brain think about more important things because we can't change what someone else has done. Perhaps we've done something wrong. Now that's within our control to go and maybe apologize or make Mm -hmm. a plan to move on from it. So otherwise we want to let things go. And a lot of the things that I think when you, when you think right now about the things that bother you are things out of your control. Yeah. Maybe it's society's perception on weight loss and you feel like you need to be a different body shape. Well, 
that's society's perception. Let it go. If you're happy with who you are, let it go. Commit, write it down, rip it up, crumble that piece of paper and throw it away. That's a great practice. I do that even with my children, with clients who feel, and when you feel overburdened, stressed, anxiety, all that stuff, write it down, write it down, commit to saying, I cannot change it. I can't change what's happened yesterday or what's going to happen tomorrow. I let it go. Wonderful practice. And the third one that I do like is breaking up with your phone. And that's a card that we all know. Science shows, studies show that overuse of our phones makes us feel sad and low. (laughs) But how do we stop picking up this device that is constant looking back at us? So the practical ways that I recommend on, on the card, one of the ways is to turn your phone to grayscale. So there are functions and phone developers, app developers, they don't want you to know all these things. But if you you can t- turn your bright, beautiful iPhones and Samsungs to grayscale, so it looks like your old school Nokia that you had maybe 20, 30 years ago, maybe not 30, years ago, and it reduces the addiction to pick up the phone. So if you feel that you've had such a long week and it's Friday night and you're going out with your friends or you're going to hang out with your kids and have a movie night, Turn your phone to grayscale. It'll stop the urge from picking it up, aimlessly scrolling Instagram with your friends instead of being present in the conversation or picking up the the phone to online shop, whatever it may be. It's just not attractive when your phone is all in grayscale. So grayscale really helps. Encourage your, your kids to do it as a family one day of the weekend, maybe on a Sunday. Phones go grayscale, tablets go grayscale, and we all use our phones less. You'll end up doing other things then if you're not using devices. And the other one is screen time limits. So again, I have screen time limits for apps like uh, for social media. I do use them for work and for personal, but I absolutely am um, a victim of falling and scrolling unnecessarily. So I do place screen time limits and that just reminds me, it makes me more mindful of the time and the intent of why I'm using the app Mm -hmm. right at that moment. So it feels great as well. So break up with your phone, detach from it before going to sleep, put it in a drawer away from you and, and yeah, give yourself a break because these things take up hours and hours. Now, of course, if you're using it for good things like keeping in touch with friends and working, etc., that's okay. But doing it mindfully, placing the screen time limits on apps that are, of course, wasting your time. <laughs> Thank you so much. I think these are three simple to implement practices that we can actually start just doing from, from the get-go, I think, to all our listeners as well. Just start. It doesn't have to be all three at once. Just start slowly integrating one practice at a time. Absolutely. You know, kind of see how it feels. And I think like you pointed out, you will start seeing that shifts, that that changes. And you're like, okay, you know what? I think I'm good. Yeah. I want to actually start putting this. And I think even for me as well, like I told myself before I go to bed, I'm mm-hmm. not going to watch like, you know, mm-hmm. Netflix or shows. So I, I cancelled my <laughs> subscription. Oh, just like listening to quiet like meditative music yeah. just to kind of ease in has and your sleep improved yes very much i mean i did s- struggle with insomnia for quite a while yeah and saw a wellness coach and they're like so what's your screen time like and i'm like not very good there yeah. are some days where yeah. your calls late in the night and your mind is buzzing yeah so i tell myself if i'm winding down i really need to wind down i don't want to be overstimulated by right. visuals you know like a, a movie which is the last thing yeah. you should yes. be doing so yeah i would i would definitely agree just that downtime and yeah I can catch up on Netflix whenever Yeah, but sleep is really so important and yeah I really yeah. do see that difference and that change in having that that's amazing you know, just really 
you start valuing sleep actually yes. appreciating a yes, good night's sleep yes. yeah so it, it has that knock-on effect and it just becomes so obvious that I was like yeah I'm actually not missing out on anything yeah. I actually feel that I'm gaining a lot more yeah. from, from it so and for those of people who don't have maybe hours to wind mm. down at night that's yeah. okay you might have a call till 11 o'clock at night but give yourself five, ten minutes of yeah. meditative music, reading a book, essential oils, some routine that calms you down, even for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, essential oils as well. That's yeah. been really helpful, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, and, and there's just so much out there that you can try and incorporate. Figure out what works best for you. Yep. What works best for your routine, <clears throat> what you can actually accommodate in your schedule, yeah. what's realistic, and yeah. even in your space as well. Yeah. Some of us might not have the, the luxury of our own bedroom. We might have to share it with someone and be that finding that time to just be by ourselves is hard. So just finding out what works for you, I think yeah. that's also super important. So, you know, Shreen, I mean, there's so much that you've shared, so much valuable advice, and just hearing a conversation, I just feel all that more inspired to to want to integrate the practices even more so for our listeners as well especially those who are kind of struggling with their own journeys of figuring out what happiness is getting there for listeners who might need additional support and you do need maybe to see a specialist or to get treatment it's okay to seek support and help for it and make sure that you lead the life that you should be living and enjoying before we close this episode I wanted to share this paragraph that I got from your blog uh, which really resonated with me and I hope you'll do the same for our listeners. I'm quoting here what you wrote. Amazing things can happen when we have the ability to see the silver lining in any situation, when we can see the good around us. It is up to us to stop, notice, and acknowledge it. The power to do so, give thanks, and show gratitude can make even the worst situations better. These are wise words from Sharina herself, and I can't think of a better way to close this episode. Thank you once again, Sharina, for Thanks, spending Nisha. your time with us and this really valuable, insightful session. Thank you so much for having me. And for any more tips, please reach out to us, share your gratitude with us. We're so happy to hear it. You can follow us on socials and on our website. We'd be so happy to create a more happy society.